<laughs> like I was saying, I am out of practice. It's been a little bit. Um, all the regular rhythms have been kind of thrown off, but oh, it is good to see you guys. I've missed you tremendously. Um, let, me, let me just take a moment. The video we just saw, just kind of getting to see your faces for the first time in over a month, I just want to take a moment. Because I, I was thinking a little bit about the song we sang two songs ago. Blessed be your name. When the world's all as it should be. Or when the sun's shining down on me. When the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. And the first time I ever heard that song was when I was at a funeral for my youth pastor, Brett Jansen. He died at 40. Suddenly. Those words hit differently when you recognize that you are on a road marked with suffering and you still choose to bless God. And on 9-11, when we're reminded of what happened 21 years ago, one of the things that was most powerful for me was the ways in which men and women who said, I trust God, began to live out their faith and to watch as their faith was galvanized. As they begin to gather together, it's, it's when you're hurting that you need community the most. Or perhaps it's when you're hurting that you recognize your need for community. We need it at all times. So let me just take a moment. And I don't know what you're carrying in here, but whether it is the world is all as it should be or there's pain in the offering, let me just take a moment to acknowledge the one who presides over this time and over this community. Father God, we love you. We are so grateful for the ways that you bless us in season and out of season. When you bless us with a sun, and you bless us with the wind that cools off the heat, and you bless us with rain that replenishes the earth, and that rain falls upon the just and the unjust alike, we thank you that you are a faithful God. We thank you that you are a good Father, and we choose to bless you with, with, in, with whatever we carry in today. We choose to bless you. Jesus, in your holy name, amen. Well, I, I know that it's been about a month, maybe a little bit more since I have been here. And so for those of you I haven't met, my name's Eric, and I'm so grateful to get to see you. I'm also really grateful to get to see lots of very familiar faces. Um, every month or every year in the month of August, I always takes, I try to take some time away with my family because it just feels like in the rhythm of the year, you get through the school year you get through the first couple of months of summer, it feels like you're running a million miles a minute. And then for me, I just feel like I come to the end of a marathon and I just need to rest. And I want to spend some kind of uninterrupted time with my family, reconnect with God, maybe get away on a road trip and make some memories before the school season starts up again and ministry season comes crashing down. So that's been our regular rhythm. And I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I needed it more than anything this year. Because I don't think I'm, I think I'm speaking for many of us when I say the last several years have been hard years. It, it, they've been exhausting years. The funny thing is, when I was coming to the end of 2021, it was, I think it's in November, and I looked to the new year, and I'm like, all I need to do is get past the finish line of the new year, and everything's going to just slow down. And everything's going to get easier, and we're going to be able to kind of collectively catch our breath and dust ourselves off and reassess where we're at and where we're going. And I should have known that that was a pipe dream when in the first week of 2022, my entire family got COVID and our staff accidentally deleted our church's website. 
thankfully, thank Jesus we got it back, or I should say thank Jeannie, because she's the one who really worked to get it back. Um, but that's, that precipitated, it was kind of almost foreshadowing of what was to come. And I think that I would probably point to our choice to study the book of Revelation as part of what has brought, made this year kind of so crazy. Because when you go to a book that exposes your enemy, exposes his machinations, his approach to trying to mess stuff up, when you basically say, he doesn't win, we know the one who's going to win, we are on his side, and even though we're in a war, we are going to stand firm against him. When you do that, the enemy doesn't stop fighting. He fights harder and he gets more dirty and he takes his gloves off and he comes out of the shadows and he starts to attack harder. And boy, did we see that this year. I think at this point, we're nine months into this year, every single one of my staff members, except for one, has been to the emergency room, either for themselves or for one of their immediate family. I know for my family, we've been to the hospital way too many times this year. And yet, as Jeff said last week, as we began this journey through the book of James, we are to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And I'm just going, seriously, James? Seriously, pure joy. Pure joy when my staff is hurting. Pure joy? Pure joy when, I ha when we have to bury Merv, one of the pillars of this community. I'm grateful he's out of pain, but we miss him. Pure joy? Pure joy when, when pain from the past begins to, to kind of well up and it, it, it causes my own family members, my own wife, to not even be able to sleep through the night. I should consider that pure joy. Pure joy when my son's best friend Cooper gets hit by a car while he's on his bicycle. And yeah, he's going to live. Thank God he's going to live. But it's going to be a long, hard road to figure out how to walk again. Consider that pure joy. Consider it pure joy as you watch the, tow the Twin Towers smoldering and it feels like evil is winning. Consider that pure joy. And I could stand here and I could, be, I, I, could, I could continue to make a list. I'm sure you could add some of these painful trials you've walked through that don't feel all that joyous. But rather than just kind of mocking what James is saying, I think it's probably better that we don't take a sound bite and give our take on it, instead that we actually go and see the full context of what he's saying. So if you would turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1. It's, in, it's right towards the back of your Bible. If you're in like Hebrews or anywhere like that, keep going right. If you hit First Peter or Revelation, you've gone too far. Go back left. For those of you who, who aren't familiar, James is the half-brother of Jesus. They share Mary as a mother, but James's dad was Joseph, whereas Jesus' father was God. And throughout James's life, he looked at his brother not as the son of God. He looked at his brother as kind of a whack job. Honestly, sometimes he was shaking his head going, what on earth is he doing now? Let's just go grab him and bring him home so we can kind of take care of him quietly. But when James saw his big brother, after having been crucified, raised from the dead, his skepticism turned into full-blown belief, and he became a pillar of the early church. He became one of those wise elder statesmen that helped lead the church in Jerusalem. He was a prayer warrior. He was known as Old Camel Knees because of the amount of time he spent in prayer. And this letter is a letter written to 
Christ followers who are scattered all over the place, who are enduring incredible hardships in the name of following Jesus. And he writes these things to encourage him. And this is what he says in James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know what this tells me? This tells me, one, trials are an inevitability. If you are here and you are choosing to follow Jesus because you think it will insulate you from having trials in your life, you think that if you are faithful to Jesus, he will protect you from ever being uncomfortable, you're following him for the wrong reason. In fact, he turned to his closest disciples on the night that he was arrested, less than 24 hours before he bled out on a cross for you and for me. He turned to his closest disciples and he says, hey guys, I just want to warn you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. In other words, you're not going to be protected from the discomfort of this sin-warped world. But thankfully, he didn't stop on that very depressing note. He said, but you can take heart in the fact that I have overcome the world. In other words, no matter what life throws at you, whether it's COVID or cancer, depression, discouragement, or divorce, whatever life throws at you, I'm bigger than it. And because of what I'm about to do on the cross, this will not get the last word. Even death won't get the last word. So take heart in the midst of the, tri the trials that you are going to endure. So we should not be surprised when we suffer. It's not, it's not a barometer of whether or not we are being faithful to Jesus. It's not a barometer of how much God loves us based upon how much we suffer. It's not. And if you think that it is, you have misunderstood the gospel and you have misunderstood what it means when Jesus turns to you and says, follow me. If we're following him, then that means taking up your cross daily. And that means enduring whatever hardships with hope. But our hope is not in our strength. If you hope in your strength, you will be disappointed. It will fail you. If your hope is in your bank account, it'll never be enough. Your bank account can't protect you from being hurt. Your bank account can't buy you another breath. If you put your hope in anything other than Jesus, you will be disappointed and discouraged. But take heart, for I have overcome the world, he says. If you put your hope in Jesus, then no matter what life throws at you, no matter how hard the path that you are asked to walk is, he's enough, and he'll help you through it. And whatever you experience won't get the last word. So our trials are inevitable. But another thing he says is take heart, I'm sorry, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This reminds me that faith that is untested is weak faith. It's more of a concept than a conviction. I could tell you I believe that this table will hold me up because Ikea makes really good furniture. Don't worry, I don't actually believe it can, so I won't. 
I had like 12 mothers in here going, don't do it, Eric. We know you're gonna. I won't. But I could tell you I believe that this table can hold me up. Whereas I, I might think it can, but I won't actually know that it can until I stand on it. Again, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> faith that is untested is weak faith. It's a concept, but it's, it, hasn't made, it hasn't done the 18 inches from your head to your heart. It hasn't become a conviction. It's not something you can rest in and trust. If you had asked the Israelites while they were languishing in, in captivity in Egypt, do you trust Yahweh? Do you trust God? They would have said, of course we trust Yahweh. But if you had asked them the same question when they stood on the far side of the Red Sea as they're watching the last of the Egyptian chariots sinking into the, the, the churning waters. If you had asked them the same question, they would have given you the same answer, but the conviction would have been so much stronger. Because it was no longer, yes, I think he's trustworthy. Now they knew, beyond the shadow of a doubt, our God is a strong fortress, and he can save us. So consider it pure joy. When you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith gives you an opportunity to field test what you actually believe. So it can be, stop being a, 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 a concept and it can become a conviction that you can rest in. You don't think he can save you, you know he can save you. You don't think he can provide for you, you know he can provide for you. You won't know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. But when he's all you have and you see that he's still faithful, you'll never question it. Actually, that's silly to say that. You will question it again because we are a forgetful people. And the same Israelites, as Dee pointed out to me this week, contrarian that he is, the same Israelites that stood on the far side of the Red Sea and sang a song of God's faithfulness are the same ones that started complaining when they were trudging through the wilderness and having to eat manna in the morning. And quail at night, and oh, woe is me. We remember Egypt where there were pots of meat. They're the same ones that whined when they came to the, the shores of, of, of the Jordan River, and they looked across to a land filled with giants, and they said, we're not sure that our God can conquer them, even though he had already conquered the most powerful nation in the world at that time. We are a forgetful people. We need to be reminded more than we need to be taught that our God is faithful. But from time to time, in his grace, he lets us see that he is faithful. So do not begrudge the trials you go through because they are an opportunity to field test your faith. Furthermore, he encourages us not, if you find yourself in that refining fire, if you find yourself in the crucible of life, he encourages us to endure it with hope. Don't try to get through it as quickly as you can. Why? Because look at what verse 4 says. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Just out of curiosity, does anybody here want to be mature? I'm so glad to see my son put his hands up. Yes. Does anybody here want to be complete, not lacking anything? And when we're talking about that, we're not just talking about, oh, I want a house and I want a nice car and I want a... We're talking about, do you want to be spiritually complete? where you know 
beyond the shadow of a doubt that your shepherd has you, and so you're at peace even though you're in the midst of a world that is at war. Do you want to be complete? I sure do. Well, you know what James is telling us? He's telling you that that maturity and that completeness does not come from sitting on the couch watching football. As fun as that is, and I love it, and I can look forward to it. Nor does that maturity and completeness come from sitting in a pew and listening to somebody open God's word and tell you. You know where that maturity and that completeness comes? It comes from suffering through trials. It comes about when you have a whole heaping pile of manure thrown on you. And instead of saying, oh, woe is me, I am a victim in this cosmic charade that is called life. You lean in and you, you, you raise your eyes back up to the heavens and you say, God, this stinks. I hate it. But I trust that you can grow something beautiful out of this. And I have found time and time again that he's faithful to do that. But I would be lying if I didn't tell you that in, in the last several years, God has allowed a lot of manure to be slung at us. And I thought that 2020 and 2021 would be the worst of it, but it feels like, at least for my family, 2022 has been the worst. 2021 and 2020 were a warm-up. And so I came into this August weary. I felt like a marathon runner who saw the finish line, but his legs are literally giving out on him. And so he's trying to lean on people, and he's knocking some people over. And he's just like, sorry, but I'm just trying to crawl across the finish line so I can collapse and rest. And we, we, we didn't really leave the area much. We actually spent a lot of time just resting as a family. We, we started new rhythms that we haven't done in a long time, like devotionals as a family in the morning. And when I say the morning, like 11 a.m., and then we would do exercise as a family, which was really fun, although my kids are like, can we please be done with this? And then we would spend a lot of time at the beach, probably way too much time at the beach. Honestly, I think I put my dermatologist in a higher tax bracket. Uh, but then uh, about three weeks into August, we did get away on a road trip. We love to go travel, or at least I love to go travel, and I forced my family to go with me. And we went up to the Redwoods, and we got to go camping. There's something so restorative about being in the cathedral of creation. I always feel closer to God when I am. And so for a week, we just got to camp and be in, amongst the tallest living things on the planet. Puts things in perspective for you. And I took a lot of pictures. For any of you who know me, I love photography. It is an outlet for my creativity. And it's a way of, it's almost like a, a, a treasure hunting for me. I there's beauty everywhere. Our God is a good creator, and I love to find the beauty that we would typically just pass over. So I took a lot of pictures, but I'm not going to bore you with them today. But I do want to show you one picture that came from our trip, and it's not even a picture I took. My wife actually took it. So can we throw that up? This is a picture from the Humboldt Redwoods. You can see the Redwoods in the background. This is probably my favorite picture that came from this time. You see me down in the water with my arms up. You see Grayson there just stepping off of a rock ledge. And you see Ethan there watching his little brother make a leap. And now I love this picture, not because it's a beautiful vista, which it is, and not because it's following the rule of thirds where you've got, you know, it doesn't matter. For those of you who know photography, you understand. It doesn't matter. The reason I love this picture more than any of the other pictures that we captured on this trip is because of the backstory of this picture. 
You see, this is the moment that my son Grayson overcame his fear. We finally found a fun rock to jump off of in the Humboldt Redwoods, which just made me love that place even more. Because the Y chromosome demands danger, and we found it. The mom was on the shore biting her fingernails, but she knows her boys need this. It's restorative for us. And Ethan and I had, had climbed up the rocks and jumped off a bunch of times. Grayson wanted to follow his daddy and wanted to follow his big brother. And so twice he had climbed up the rocks, twice he had stepped out to the edge, twice he had looked over, saw that there was a rock just a little bit below the surface on the left side and went, nope. And then he stepped back and he climbed back down and he just kind of went, he wants to follow his dad and he wants to follow his brother, but it, it was scary. And we encouraged him. Even Ethan encouraged him, like, you can do this, Gray, you can do this. I'm telling him, I'll be in the water, I'll be right here for you. And so after watching us go a couple more times, Grayson scraped together the courage to climb up one more time, to step out to the edge and to look over. And I'm down there in the water going, Gray, you can do this. I know you can. And this time, instead of stepping back, Grayson stepped forward. And we often think that courage is a lack of fear, but as we were reminded in 9-11, and as I was reminded here, true courage is being afraid and yet choosing to act contrary to that fear anyway. In this moment, Grayson was courageous, and I was so proud of him when he jumped. And I'm in the water with my arms raised going, yeah, celebrating, because my boy chose to trust me saying, I'll be here. You're going to be fine. Just leap. And this is the moment where he conquered his fear. So that's my favorite picture. You don't have to see any of the other ones. That's the best one. And then, so we, we, we rested and we played and we got replenished. And then we started heading home. And when I got back, I entered into some really frank and honest conversations with the elder board. And many of you know this. If you don't, you need to know this. I have never been the sole leader of Lighthouse Community Church. We are an elder-led church, which means I am one of a number of people who help guide, direct, and oversee the health of our church. And that includes the health of the pastors. And in this instance, the elders felt compelled to talk to me about my health. They were concerned about my health because they'd seen. They'd seen the, the weariness that the last couple of years, and particularly this year, has had on me. They've seen the way that the stress of trying to carry the weight of the church and trying to figure out how do we recover from COVID while at the same time trying to care for my family were causing stress cracks in me. They'd heard me say things like, I feel like I'm sacrificing my family on the altar of ministry. And I don't know what to do. And they were concerned. There's this proverb that has been running through my mind a lot lately. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy is somebody that will say, you're doing great when they can see that you're clearly not. A friend, a true friend, is somebody who is willing to speak the hard things, even if they know that you're going to be upset to hear them, but they care enough about you to lean in and be honest. And in this instance, the elder board were good friends to me. 
because they saw that I was not doing well. And even though I was coming back from vacation, and even though I was probably going to be rested, they knew that if something didn't change, it wouldn't be very long before I was weary all over again. And so we started talking. And I acknowledged the fact that, hey, listen, I have always promised myself I wouldn't sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry, but I've been doing it for too long. In making choices that were in the best interest of the church and in expending myself in what is best for the church, I was making choices that were not in the best interest of my family. And it's not like I was blind to this, although I didn't want to accept it. I didn't want to admit it. I, like Grayson, had climbed up and stepped over to the precipice of considering, maybe I need to leave Lighthouse so that I can care for my family. And twice or three times over the last couple of years, I kind of stared out over that and went, nope, and went and sat back down and reapplied myself to trying to figure out how to navigate life in this post-COVID world. I did it because I, in some ways, was scared, scared of the unknown, scared of, of, of letting my church family down, scared of quitting. I don't quit anything well, ever. If, if there's need, I'm in. But most importantly, it's because I never felt truly released by my shepherd to let go of it. And until I felt that completely, I wasn't going to. Well, this time was different because over the course of those conversations, it became very evident to me that my shepherd was saying, it's okay, Eric, you can let go. It was never your church to begin with. You were a steward of it, but it's my church. It's my community, my flock. And I, your shepherd, am asking you to give it back to me and trust it to me, even though there's lots of questions about what does that mean for the church and how is it going to... Those are not your questions to answer. I'm asking you to let it go so that you can take hold of your family and you can step off, you can trust me. In other words, to use the words of Psalm 23, which I have found myself going back to a lot in the last couple of weeks, I am your shepherd, Eric. You're not going to be in want. But I'm going to make you lie down in a green pasture so that I can restore your and your family's soul. I always find it funny that the shepherd has to make the sheep lie down, but I'm one of those sheep that likes to resist. I resist because of the questions, the unknown, because because I want it to be on my timing. I resist because in a lot of ways I find consolation in getting to lead. As we were in the midst of the hardest stuff, I found myself telling the elder board, I want to continue to be able to lead and to teach because it's like a lifeline for me. That should have been a warning to me that perhaps I needed to take a sabbatical then, but I didn't. I kept trying to do both. And it became too much for me. And I'm grateful for the love of my elder board who saw it and weren't willing to turn a blind eye to it. Can we throw the um, picture back up for a second? So on August 30th, I verbally resigned from my role as the lead pastor of Lighthouse. 
and this is me, and this is my family. I'm Grayson right now. I identify with Grayson. It's been scary to make the leap, but we have committed to stepping out. Not because I have done something to disqualify myself from leadership, not because I have another job lined up. I frankly have no idea what God has in store for us. But I will tell you this. My father God is down in the water saying, go, and he's celebrating. Because this is an act of obedience. And the last message I gave before I went on my sabbatical was a message about God's love language. And do you remember what God's love language is? Hey, one person, all right. God's love language is obedience. If you love me, if you are my disciple, then you will do what I say. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you trust me, you will follow me. And then you'll know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am capable of catching you. Otherwise, if you're unwilling to put your faith to the test, if you're unwilling to trust me when I say follow me, then your faith is a concept. It's not a conviction. So this is a ruthless act of obedience. It's not punishment. It's kindness. I, can, I, I just want to tell you guys, I am so relieved that I am bowing out and not blowing out. Way too many pastors have blown out. I grieve for them and their families. I grieve for their communities. I didn't want to be one of those pastors. I love you guys too much, and I love my family too much. And frankly, I love myself too much. So today is my last message as the lead pastor of Lighthouse Community Church. And it's shocking to me to say that. And I'm imagining, there's, Darlene, quite honestly, I did not want to tell you. I've been scared of you being mad at me. I'm not afraid anymore. This is, this is why I'm being courageous right now. I'm facing my fear. I love you guys so much. I love you so much. I am so grateful for the almost 13 years that we've gotten to do life together. I feel like in some ways I'm at the tail end of a marathon and I, I can see the finish line like just a couple of steps away and I've got all of my family lined up along the sides, family that's blood related and family that's only related by the blood of Jesus Christ, but you're lined up along the side going, come on baby, you can do this. My brother's saying, stop being a wuss and just keep going, right? Because that's how brothers talk, dang it. That is our love language. So I don't know what the future holds, but I do know who holds my future, as cliche as that sounds. I don't know where we will be in a year. Oh, Lord God, I hope we're still here, but I don't know. I don't know whether I will enter back into ministry at the other end of this or whether I will simply be a minister who is called to a different sphere of influence. Because as we've, we've been reminded time and time again, you don't need to have a title in front of your name to be a minister of the gospel. If you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you have the Holy Spirit in your heart, then you are a minister. Whether you're working at a bank, teaching at a school, whether you're retired and you're just helping raise your grandchildren, 
It's all the same. This isn't being sidelined. But I have a shepherd who loves me and loves my family enough to say, you can let it go. So you can take hold of the responsibility that is most important. If you can't do both with excellence, if you can't lead the church and your family with excellence, then pick one. If I have to pick one, I'm going to pick my family every time. And I hope that you guys understand that. Because I'm unapologetic about it. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means that I have a God-given responsibility to them. I've told you guys, this church can always get a new pastor. But my kids can't get a new father. And my wife will not be getting a new husband. <laughs> Took her long enough to break this one in. What does this mean for Lighthouses? Oh, one of the people asked me, well, okay, we met with our life group on Wednesday because we didn't want them to find out. And this, um, we met with our life group, and one of the people in my life group said, well, Eric, why not sabbatical? Why couldn't you just take a couple more months and rest and then see where you're at? And it's because the answer is I already knew that I wouldn't be coming back. So why hit the snooze button when you know you're going to need to get up? That's not fair to my family. And that's not fair to my family. But this also doesn't mean it's goodbye. The nice thing in, not, in bowing out and not blowing out is I'm still around and I, I want to come and check in from time to time. It's just like, I love you guys. And this is in no way is this, okay, see you later. Come and give me a hug, but you're never going to see me again. Um, I'm just down the street. And I would imagine that there are some of you right now with a lot of unprocessed emotions. I've had some time to process them. My wife and my kids have had some time to process them. The elder board and our staff has had some time to process them, but many of you haven't. And I'm really sorry that you're finding out this way. But I'm still here. And if you need to process, if you need to, to ask questions, if you need to, to weep, if you just want to give me a hug, please, I want that. One of the hardest things for a relational person is to feel like, you're being anti-relational, but I have to remind myself, this is being the most relational and authentic I can possibly be. I am hunkering down with my family, and we're trusting our shepherd. Because at the end of the day, it's not just choosing my family, it's choosing to obey my shepherd. This is obedience. And in the same way that I trust that my shepherd, our shepherd, is going to take care of my family, and that gives me peace to lie down, that same shepherd is your shepherd and has always been the head shepherd of this church. Jeff and I are just stewards of it. The elder board, we're just stewards of it for a season. There is not a single pastor who gets to pastor their church forever. We've always said Jesus is the head of this church. He still is. And the same shepherd that I trust to take care of my family is going to take care of my family here. But I imagine that there's probably questions that will come up. Well, what does this mean moving forward and all that? Those aren't questions that are my place to answer anymore. And so I'm going to invite Jeff and the elder board to come up um, because that's all I've prepared. I'm done. I love you guys tremendously.
Why did you make me cry? Come on. Talking to my face. <laughs> Beth. I'm glad I'm not the only one with technical difficulties. That makes me feel better. Okay. I can tell you that. Uh, Local. Local. I can tell you that um, this has been a difficult season. This has been a Opening. Put it by your chin. Take half face. This has been a um, heart opening season for us. This has been an opportunity to um, come alongside somebody that you love so much and his family and guide them as much as you can. So, um, right there at this moment in time, I'd like to, to have uh, our elders introduce themselves so they know who backs you up, who loves upon you mm -hmm. so much, and, uh, and let you know. So my name is Randy Strait. I'm the lead elder. Uh, this is Dee. I'm Dee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was enough. That was beautiful. I'm Tom Phipps, and I followed this man here in the church he was at because I love him with all my heart and soul. So does my wife who's sitting in the back row with number nine, Payne, in her back. She wanted to be here for you today, okay? Love you, Terry. We love you, and our prayers are with you wherever you go. I'm proud of you, son. I love you. I got two mics. I don't know what to do here. Um, I'm Kat's, the, ori the original right hand, I'm the left hand. Uh, I'm Eric's better half here at the church, and Pastor Jeff Lee, and... Uh, it's been a privilege to serve the last five years with Eric. Um, I've been in ministry for about 30 years, 15, 16 paid staff, and 15, 16 as a volunteer, and I wouldn't trade the last year for anything. I wouldn't trade the last six weeks for anything. I'd rather, I'd rather run with someone who enjoys the race than run with someone who's simply running for themselves. So it's been, it's been fun. Uh, it's been a long six weeks. Uh, but uh, you captured that picture for a reason. He's the photographer in the family, but you captured that picture for a reason because God had something to say that everyone else needed to understand that no one else could explain. And uh, that picture says it really well. We're all kind of jumping into the unknown. So God bless any of you who thinks you know what's going on. I don't think any of us are saying we know what's going on. We're simply saying there's an opportunity to leap, and we feel God has called us, and so we're going to do exactly what God has called us. We're all E obedience in this. I'm Mark Strachan. You probably know my wife better and sings periodically for us. And uh, it's been an adventure these 12 years. So. Yes, it has. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Russell. I'm the new guy on the board. I represent the younger crowd in here. The younger um, elder. We came about, uh, I don't know, six years ago, I guess, when, when things were starting to change. And um, I can't tell you how much we, we respected uh, Eric as a pastor here, holding things together through times of political polarization so wisely through this, these times of COVID and everything. And we're just so happy that um, 
this is going to be such a graceful transition with um, him being able to start a new chapter. So there's a new journey for Eric and his family. <clears throat> and so many of us love Eric. He's given so much to this church, his walk, his openness, his willing to share his heart, his excellent and sometimes brilliant, and this is today as well, ability to give you what's on his heart, give you a message at the same time. But most of all, his love for our Father, his Son, Jesus Christ. It's embedded in you. You will always be a ministry, no matter what you do. If you just drove down this street here, you would see a change in this church. <clears throat> you would see a change inside this church. Across the street, Eric's fingerprints are inside and outside of this church. And for, quite frankly, they're inside and outside of us who dwell in this church. We are so grateful, extremely grateful for Eric's family to share him with us for the last 12 plus years. That's a big step. That's a big commitment. That's a lot of giving. I know I speak for the elder group when I say that we have great appreciation for your choices and your choice of what you're going to do for your family in the coming days. And I know the elder, elder group and this church desire to support your journey wherever God may lead you. And as I told Eric a couple of nights ago, I can't wait to sit down with him and find out someday soon what God has plans for. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> so from Lighthouse family to your family, may the Lord's bless blessings keep you, sustain you. And we will continue to be, we are now, in God's grace. I love you. Love you too. Love you so much. So Lighthouse family, if you would, come on up. We're going to lay hands on the family. Eric, we're going to pray for him. Extend a hand. Okay, we're not done. I'll get a starter for a second. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this man, and we thank you for his family. We thank you for everything he's done and everything he will do. We give you this man and ask you to wrap your arms around him and his family, and we look forward to seeing one set of footprints in the sand. We know you have him. Nobody in this room other than his mom and daddy would love him any more than I do. And for him here to follow him on a hill in a trip on his feet, one of these days when he's old, that 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 he gets his back to the church and he's there to watch him. And I love him. Lord Jesus, you know that he was going to come to this beautiful family. So I would just ask you to give him a little peace. The joy to know that Doggonit is going to move him to somebody else to have him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying I'm liking it, 
But I am saying I'm going to follow that board, and it was just hard for the elder board for all of us because we all love it so very, very, very much. But we also realize we've got to share this crazy clown that stands up on a ladder and wonder whether he's going to fall in the front row or the third. <laughs> and the Christmas tree he put on top of the scene. I mean, all, all that good stuff we remember. <laughs> and his dog that he brings in to poop in the... Never mind. It's okay. You know? All of that is Eric. And all of that we love in Eric. So bless this precious boy, this precious man, in whatever he does. And Kathy, he's just been a sweetheart to me beside him and his two great boys. They're as frisky as he is. And so we just ask that you bless this blessed family and the Holy Spirit to fall on them and this church pressed down and running over. Thank you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Love you, Eric. start singing. Forever God is faithful. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever.
rising to the setting sun. His love endures forever. Church, it has been so good to be with you all this morning. He's still here. We can say why to him because Elvis has not, or I'm sorry, Eric has not left the building. So bless you all. May you be blessed this week. God bless you and have a great week. Forever, God. Is.